almost always you can track it to, oh, I started playing tennis and now my elbow hurts like two months in to starting tennis like that would. And then a chronic injury is something that we categorize as you've had this pain for three months or more and it is not going away. It's consistent pain that you have not had any kind of break in that would put it into the chronic category. The big question is this. In a world of fake Instagram models and bad diets, how do real people achieve their fitness goals? We are an army of hardworking women changing their lives through fitness and health. Wherever you are at on your journey, we have the answers to how to make working out and eating well a part of your life. Join us in changing the dialogue for women everywhere. Welcome to the Thick Thighs Save Lives podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Thick Thighs Save Lives podcast. I'm Kelsey. Welcome back, Kelsey and Kelsey's Plant. And I'm Rachel. And (laughs) look how good she's. Is it fake? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. I was like, that's one healthy plant. Oh, okay. Yeah. I give it the old spritz every day. No. No. I don't have the green thumbs. <laughs> I There are certain people who can keep plants alive, and there are certain people who just aren't made for that kind of life, and I just know who I am. <laughs> I like to be self-aware. <laughs> know thyself. Yeah. I mean, why force it when there's such a beautiful variety of fake plants available? <laughs> I know that look lovely though. Like, and they just are such low maintenance. It's wonderful. I have to tell you, I was going to tell you this before we started. And then you said, stop, press record. That's what I have to tell you. Okay. So here's me. I'm Kelsey. I live with ADHD. It's a whole thing. And I Welcome was, to the show, Kelsey. Well, <laughs> thank you for your honesty. <laughs> So I got home from the gym one night, hit like a hyper focus mode and decided I was going to unpack my boxes. So this is 8 p.m. It's they've been sitting there for weeks, but it is time to unpack these boxes. So I start just like doing a million things. Right. So I'm like, also, I'm going to do a load of laundry. I haven't eaten dinner yet. I'm going to do all of these things. And I realized in that the frenzy that I lost my phone and I was like, where did the phone go? <laughs> I'm wandering back and forth trying to figure out where the phone went. And I'm like, maybe it's in one of these baskets. I don't know. Maybe I put it in a box. (laughs) So I kept like kind of hearing the vibrations like down the hall. And I'm like, where the hell? So I keep coming down the hall. And then I was like, damn, did I put it in the washing machine? Because that would, that'd be a terrible idea. But you know where I did find it? In the dryer. (laughs) Dryer. I want to like (laughs) be a fly on the wall because I'm just trying to think of, no, but I, I'm just trying to think of in what instance would it have been appropriate to put the phone into the dryer and like also on that same note, wouldn't it have been such a weird instance that it would have been unforgettable? Like, yeah. Putting my phone in the dryer right now. That's a weird thing. I'm never going to forget I did that because that's totally inappropriate and weird. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How come? But how instead come? I open up the dryer door and I'm like, oh, there you are. And it's a surprising thing. <laughs> this is. I don't remember doing it at all, but because like I was doing things, but my mind was doing different things that I was just, you know, I place things places. <laughs> I don't remember that I'm doing it because like my body is moving, but my brain is like definitely in a different conversation or like error. On that note, I, I, um, okay. I really like that you brought up the, whatever that thing is where you're doing something, but you're thinking about something completely different um, because I've been alive for 38 years and for 38 years, people have been startling me in my own house. Like this is a thing. 
Okay. I, I don't know like if other people suffer with, I know that other people live with me. I'm aware that they're here. I know that they're no danger to me, but I'm in my they own house. They might need to change rooms. Yes. <laughs> and, and that they do, you know, roam. They have free will here. They just roam about the house. And I know that they're here. Yet every single time I'm in a room and someone enters, I go, ah, what do you, why are you, what are you sneaking up? And they genuinely startle me. They live here. They were not like sneaking. They were just walking normally. So my husband like consistently makes fun of me because this has just like been a lifelong thing where it's like, how can you be scared of me walking into a room? That shouldn't be scary. That And I'm like, no, it startles me. I think the funniest is like that you blame them for a while. Oh, I get so mad. I get like, so mad. A, like their existence was so sneaky. <laughs> I get, I yell, I go, I, like my most common thing is I'll be like, bro. And I'll be like, what? I live here. And I'm like, why are you coming in like that? Why are me? you existing here in your house? And he's <laughs> like, I literally just walked in. The audacity. <laughs> I'm so mad. I get so mad. Now I have a spawn and I am learning so many things about myself through this little tiny version because he gets startled and I'm like, what is this? A weird thing that I've passed on? But no, I realized the other day when I startled him because he does the same thing. Mama, what? What? And I'm like, I just I'm sorry. I live here. But what he was doing was like he was in this like very um, in like it, he gets these setups going where he's in got these world. people. He's, he's yeah. in this other world. Right. So when I walk in very normally, I scare him and startle him because like he is in another world in his mind. And that is when I realized it is that. I am never in the place that I am. Almost never. If I'm alone, I'm in another place. I'm having a conversation. I'm thinking back on a thing that I was. Um, I don't know if you guys have remember the episode when Rachel is in her when she's telling the story of how <laughs> I could be talking to myself. The, what's it called? The confession. Yeah, I'm yeah. doing a confession on reality TV, but except I don't have a show. So that is, so I'm constantly doing stuff like that. I'm talking to myself. I'm having another, I'm talking to my inner critic. Like there is so many things that are going on. And that is why I'm startled because I'm not actually there. And so then when someone comes into the room and like brings me back to where I actually am, I'm like, holy shit, what the... What the hell? How'd you get in my confession? What the hell? You know? You know? Mm -hmm. So after 38 years, I finally discovered that. And I feel so much better because I felt like it was really a weird thing. But now I know it's just because, yeah. Does that happen to anyone else? Okay. Uh, (laughs) You're just, it certainly happens to me. I'm never here. Yeah. is always doing things that's why it's the most confusing part is because like I'm always moving but like my brain is moving in a different direction so when I do things with my hands or I place things somewhere or I go somewhere I I end up in a room I'm like why am I here yes (laughs) which room is this (laughs) that's how you end up finding your phone in the dryer yeah Mm -hmm. yeah stuff like that because you were having another conversation in your head that had nothing to do with the dryer or the phone. So that no. wasn't, it wasn't memorable. I get yeah, it. I've, I've put, I've put my phone in some, in some pretty weird places. Like I found it in the fridge before, but, but like, I'm really glad I didn't put it in the washing machine because like when I came back down there, like I genuinely looked in the washing machine, which I had started. And I was like, man, if you put it in the washing machine, it's going to be bad. <laughs> it's going to be a bad day tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, congratulations. Uh, I want to hear if other people have these things. I want to hear if, A, they get startled in their own home because I, Rachel, has been suffering this for years to the point where, like, when I went, when I've come into her house, I've started doing, like, Kelsey's here because I didn't want to start. I know how it is to be startled by people that live there. It's very upsetting. I don't like that. I don't like that. 
I don't like it. <laughs> My husband does things like that too. He like, he'll like stomp like right yeah. before he's going to come in so that like it gives me a little <laughs> second to get out of the confessional and into the real world. <sighs> Weird. We have a favor to ask everyone of the, uh, listening to this podcast right now. We know there are so many of you listening to this podcast and we are so happy that you're here and we love you. But what you need to do is you need to subscribe. And I know that gets confusing because sometimes I listen to a podcast repeatedly and I don't subscribe. So I'm like, I'm here with you. But you need to rate and subscribe the podcast because it really, really helps us to keep putting effort into the podcast, get amazing guests and just keep making it better for you guys because clearly you're, you're here and you love it. So just do the thing. Yeah. One of the big giant moments that I've had this week has been surrounding the podcast where, um, first of all, we hit 3.2 million downloads. We missed the 3 million because we don't pay attention to anything. (laughs) So now I have to announce it as like this odd number, 3.2 million downloads. I'm 200,000 shy of like actually the milestone. Missed it. That one. And then... Mark brought up the fact that we are coming up on um, five years of the podcast in January. And I just want to say that this has been such an amazing five years, but it has been a labor of love. And we have not missed a week. (laughs) We have like it's five years of continuous weekly podcasts where we are just like deep diving into all of the things that our community is really interested in. And I just, that kind of commitment is, if you're here for that kind of commitment, like rate, review, subscribe. That really, really helps us to keep moving forward. And also it helps us to get incredible guests. Like we want to, the caliber of guests that we get is just so highly dependent on you guys and your interaction with the podcast. So definitely do us that favor this week. Make it a priority if you love it, because we have been doing this for a hot minute. Hot minute. I couldn't even believe it It was five years. Rachel was like, oh, she was like, yeah, our podcast. We've been doing it for like two years. Yeah. We're like, try five. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, what? Oh. Wowzer. Amazing. We haven't said anything incredibly stupid in five years. Oh, I have. Too many opportunities. (laughs) Oh, I I mean, not like, I definitely have too, but not like overly stupid. Today, (laughs) I admitted I get startled in my own house. Yeah, but here's, here's the thing, just real quick on this. People get caught up in saying stupid things or like whatever that end up like going viral and stuff when they are trying to be someone that they're not. And we really have never done that because I have a fake plant on a chair and sitting here. We do need to give her a name, but like we just have just showed up authentic just as us every time just here to talk to you guys about you know, all of the things that we're all facing on a daily basis and try and have some real conversation about it and imperfectly have those conversations where like, I'm thinking about this thing. I may, you know, these are my thoughts on it. Do with that what you will, because ultimately the goal of the podcast is to talk about some of these issues with all of these women, all people, change the dialogue around health and fitness and really empower you to take the wheel of your own life. And that is ultimately the work that we're doing on a weekly basis of just like building that up, building that confidence and that ability to say like, I know it's best in my life. I've gotten a lot of information. I've been able to discuss shit with my girls, but ultimately like this is my health and my body and my life and I'm going to live it unapologetically. Oh yeah. How do you feel about Louise? I love Louise. Yeah. Louise is a really underused name. I haven't I heard it in a while. Reading... No one's introduced me and said like, hey, I'm Louise. I think she's just reading Feels Louise exotic. to me. I don't know. Oh, Louise. Let's You're put it in the hat. Namer. Well, okay. Yeah. We'll put it in the hat because you have to, you have to try it. You have to like call her it a couple times and... I did just want to say quickly that um, a study came out on plants. I know that, you know, we talked about the the great stuff about fake plants, but if you can, um, it is highly suggested that you sleep 
close to a real plant, the oxygen that the plant is releasing um, has been shown in studies to help you sleep better more um, quality sleep and better like deep sleep from the amount of oxygen in the room if you have if you can have a real plant so like a couple of the biggest oxygen producers as far as plants go are actually some of the lowest maintenance ones so like if you get a snake plant they don't want a whole lot but they produce a ton of oxygen and if you could just put it on your nightstand like in like a sunny corner yeah I went out and got Got one right away from my son um, because you know you know you hear a study and you're like oh my god oh my god oh my god what <laughs> am I just doing he needs to breathe better in his sleep <laughs> Jesus that's called mom guilt so today we're going to be talking about some of the ideas surrounding what to do when you suffer an injury regarding your health your fitness your exercise. How do we move forward when we're injured? Because at some point, if you've been doing this long enough, you're going to come across an injury. It might be something really acute, quick healing, easygoing. It might be something that is sort of chronic and that you're dealing with for a while. But no matter what, if you do this long enough, you're going to have something that's going to come up. And one of the most common questions Um, because this is so, this is like one of those things where people are like, now what? So one of the most common questions we get is like, should I continue to work out? Because like, sometimes it happens right at the beginning and you're like, oh, I don't want to lose the habit. Sometimes you are well into your fitness journey and you can't imagine like, what am I going to do? My mental health without this is just going to be a disaster. So can we keep working out? Is that counterproductive? Are we setting back our healing? How do we keep working out? Or is it better just to rest altogether? So I think that we can kind of uncover some things today and talk about what to do when the inevitable happens. Because, you know, at some point we're going to suffer minor or major injuries. I love, I don't like love to talk about injuries, but I think it's so so important to talk about injuries because injuries serve as a really important part of life and our health and fitness journey. Because if we're at the gym and we sustain an injury while we're at the gym, all of a sudden it's the gym's fault. If we sustain an injury in life, which will inevitably also happen, (laughs) it is, well, now I can't go to the gym or, um, you know, I can't, I, I have a bad back or a bad knee, or these are the reasons why I cannot take care of my body in other ways when it comes to fitness. So it's such an important part of why either we stop going to the gym, don't start at the gym in the first place, or have the inability to make it a sustainable part of our health and fitness for the rest of our lives. And it's such an important, important thing to talk about because so many of us, every single person is going to have some type of injury unless you live in just a glass box for the rest of your life, because that's just not going to happen. And when we think about the benefits of being at the gym and, and getting strength and, and really working on the health of our body, the more you have the ability to sustain an injury and come back from it. So you don't have really one without the other. So when we when we turn to the gym and say, like, you are the reason why I'm injured in one of these ways, it's like these things were always at risk of happening. And we have to figure out how we can live life knowing that you're going to have your feelings hurt. You're going to have injuries. Things are going to hurt. Things are going to feel great. Like all of these things are part of the human experience. and They're always going to happen. Yeah. I mean, just starting off with that injuries that are, they're going to happen and they don't mean that all of a sudden health and fitness has become a negative part of the journey. In fact, I will put out there that some of the best learning experiences that I've had about my body and my movement patterns have been due to an injury. And it sucks because you hate to learn it that way. You hate to learn that you're quad dominant when, you know, you tear an MCL. Like that's, it's not the best way to learn, but it is 
something that you can take and turn into a learning experience, growth mindset. Yeah. So just saying you can learn and grow from it. It doesn't always have to be this like ugh, catastrophic um, negative all the time. But before we talk about injuries and sort of like the path moving forward and what we want to focus on in the gym when we are injured, um, I just want to say that, first of all, we are not a doctor. Okay. Okay. We are not (laughs) diagnosing your injury here. We are not prescribing you PT. That is for someone that is your personal professional medical, like knows your history. This is your person. Okay. So we are not that we do not, we're not providing you personalized medical advice. You need to see a professional for that. I just want to say, you know, if you're experiencing any pain, this is not like the blueprint to get out of pain. This is, you need to be diagnosed by your, your person says. Yeah. So we're going to, we're going to go over some like different types of injury, how you define your injury, all of those things. But I do want to just like quick shout to, if you are experiencing pain and we'll go over the types of pain and how you sustained that injury, but just like living with something that hurts all the time and calling it the bad fill in the blank is not it. Like you don't just have a bad knee or a bad back or blah, 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 and have these limitations for you for the rest of your life. Because if you think about the language you're using around that and you just say like, well, I don't do X, Y, and Z because because I have a bad back, for example, it's like, are you planning on never, like, are you planning on experiencing pain for the rest of your life or never being able to like pick up your dog, your niece, your nephew, all of these things, all of these things in life, experiences in life that you'd like to do because of this injury that you've decided is just forever. Because there's always ways to just kind of improve and take care of your body, even if that's something that will never ultimately go away because it's just, you know, something that you're going to live with. That's possible for sure. But there's always ways that we can care for our body to make it a little bit more manageable on a daily basis. It's rare that anything is forever. You know, I know. Anything. Yeah. Think about anything. It's Black Friday season, y'all. We have some of the best gear for the best prices. If you are looking for some amazing deals, 65% off leggings, shorts, sports bras, whatever you need. We've got active wear. We've got warm stuff. We've got everything plus free gifts. Yes, free gifts for purchases over $200. So get to the site, constantlyvariedgear.com. And if you're sending your significant other, we also have gift cards. So make sure you check us out this Black Friday season. Nobody is going to beat the smoking deals we have. So to think that, you know, the, the vessel that you're in is going to have this pain forever for the rest of its life or time here, that's a pretty depressing thought. And I also think it's pretty um, small minded because I think that, you know, if you truly understood the capabilities of your body, you would absolutely have more faith that it can repair, but so much of it has this chain reaction. And so much of it doesn't have to do with the specific area that's hurting. And that's where we just so oversimplify the human body. And this is just a common theme throughout health and fitness, right? We always do this. We always oversimplify nutrition, oversimplify, you know, digestion, absorption, exercise, all of it, because we don't truly know about so many of the nuances yet. And I don't know that we ever will, but we work every day to get closer. And what I'm going to try to tell you here is that, and what we're going to really hit on is the area that hurts is rarely the problem. So with that in mind, thinking that you have, you know, a bad knee, a bad shoulder, a bad back, and then focusing on only the protection of that part and avoiding pain in that part is not probably is not addressing the actual problem in the kinetic chain that has led you to this place of pain. So when we think about injuries, 
when we talk about them during this episode, let's really think of the body as an entire functioning chain, not working in vacuums of like the knee, the ankle. It works all alone. If your ankle hurts, it's only about the ankle hurting. Like it's just out there floating in space by itself hurting. It's like, no. Separate from the rest of your leg. It's not supporting the rest of your body, obviously. So the, right. Your so feet I mean, have nothing to do with how <laughs> the pressure that is happening with your ankles. When you like, say it out loud, you're like, that's hmm. so crazy. But like also I like there, I hear on a daily basis, I have a bad this, very specific part of the body, not addressing the entire rest of the, the chain that is totally involved in the movement of that one specific area that we're feeling pain. So you can basically usually categorize your injury into three major categories. An acute injury is one that like just happened in the past five days. It's like a traumatic event. It's I'm, I'm using the word traumatic, but like these are varying levels, right? This could just be like a muscle pull. levels of trauma. Yeah. yeah like those. All it could be a bruise. That's a traumatic event. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. exactly. It could be something like extreme, like a tear of a ligament. It could be a fracture, you know, a bone break, but it could also be something as small as a bruise. So, but basically when you're thinking about an acute injury, you're thinking about one in which you have like a direct cause and effect that can be um, tracked into like the last five days. That would be an example. Overuse injury is probably something that has developed over a significant amount of time. Um, and it is probably due to a repetitive movement. So like I would put into this category, things like shin splints, people that have, um, bone spurs, like runner, runner's knee, like these kinds of things. Tendinitis. Tendinitis. That's a good one. And then, So this is something that you're like, okay, you know, this has been a result of a specific movement that I've been doing. You start training for a 5k, your knee starts hurting, right? That would not, not in the first day, but like a week in, two weeks in, that's probably an overuse injury. And then you have your Usually the result of a repetitive movement. Yeah. Yeah. Almost, almost always you can track it to, oh, I started playing tennis and now my elbow hurts like two months in to starting tennis like that would. And then a chronic injury is something that we categorize as you've had this pain for three months or more and it is not going away. It's consistent pain that you have not had any kind of break in that would put it into the chronic category. Yeah. So these should be treated separately. However, something that I want to say about this, even if you have an acute injury and your recovery is fairly quick in the recovery, in the realm of how quickly you're going to recover from an injury. If you have an acute injury, your body compensates in so many other ways surrounding this injury that we tend to either have already developed poor movement patterns surrounding, which which might be the cause of some of these injuries, or we're now going to develop some poorer movement patterns because your body is responding to an injury. Anytime you sustain an injury, usually there's inflammation, there's pain, there are things that your body is doing in order to protect you because the ultimately your body just wants to protect you from any type of pain. So that that's just its job. It wants to keep you alive. It wants to keep you pain-free. So the way you start moving after you sustain an injury is some is one of the first things that I would really like you to just pay attention to because so many of us start doing things. Like we're leaning on one side. We start walking on the outside of your foot. If you have like a fracture or something, so like your foot, your ankle is hurting, you start walking on your tips of your toes. And we start doing other things and then start experiencing maybe some hip pain some pain in the other knee. And it's like, what are we doing here that is continuously causing a ripple effect in how we're responding to one injury in one area? That's one of the biggest points in doing this episode because so many times people will sustain an injury acutely and they will come back to the gym 
And they will report that that area just never feels the same. Now, this is when we start getting into the I have a bad, right? Usually it starts with an acute injury. And then when that initial pain has subsided or the initial injury has healed, we just have repeated low amounts of pain in this area and say, well, now it's bad. It's gone bad. It's, it's gone bad. sat out too long. It stinks. <laughs> and none of that is true. What has likely happened is like, we always say this about the, was it the 12 shots or the beer? The acute injury is the beer. There was 12 shots before that. And <laughs> after the weird thing is too, after the beer, because you have made those compensations, to protect the injury, you may have done even further damage in that chain where like we're now our movement patterns are odd, different, or they were for so long while healing that it's become like the new normal. And that's where we just start because like you drop a dumbbell on your toe. That's an acute injury. That's just like bad luck, right? Sometimes you just end up with bad luck. But, and that's not a preventable thing. You know, there was nothing that you could have done. You maybe use more chalk, but like the just <laughs> shit's going to happen. But the answer is always more chalk in my opinion. But most injuries are not those kind of freak things. Most injuries are the result of like improper technique, poor movement patterns, incorrectly fitting equipment, like shit shoes when you start a 5k program or just anatomical or like biomechanical things about your specific body that are like genetic, like femur length or whatever, that are just like promoting kind of movement patterns that aren't maximizing you as an athlete. That's the majority. It's not usually like a dumbbell drop. Like, no, it's not usually a dumbbell drop. Usually like we, like Rachel said, she gave a lot of great examples, but improperly warming up is another one. And when we talk about, I'm just going to hit the mobility thing because range of motion and mobility is so important for every one of your movement patterns that if you consistently are unable to get into positions where your body feels strong and is moving in its correct movement patterns. You're constantly moving around it, which is putting strain on other areas that is going to wear down over time or is going to start to wear down. And then ultimately you sustain an acute injury. Now, in order to, I, I want to give just like an example of this, because this happened with my wrist where I started noticing my movement patterns changing after I had a wrist injury. So my wrist was injured, right? But I lost a ton of mobility in my shoulder, in my entire shoulder joint. And it started putting ultimately more pressure on my wrist because I was having to hold weight in a different way where like I couldn't even get it back into its position. Now, is this chicken or egg? Like it did the shoulder start moving poorly and then it became more pressure on the wrist. And then ultimately we had like more injuries, but we usually have an injury and think like, well, I just need to rest that area of my body and indefinitely until it stops hurting. And there is always a place for rest. But when we think about, when we think about recovery, recovery is not inaction. And that's where we kind of get messed up when it comes to movement, where inaction is where we think that we are healing or resting when we're not actually doing anything to heal. Heal, healing and recovery from an injury requires action. Dude, it's a verb. Like, uh, it's so true. Yeah, no, because so many people, when they think of the word recover, they think of that as a synonym for just inactive. Make sure that you are just like laying flat and just moving as little as possible. The key, the key to making sure that you don't have a chicken and an egg situation where you suffered an acute injury in your wrist and it became a shoulder issue or vice versa is to make sure that recovery 
is a verb. It's an actual plan that you are hitting. This has been proven so many times too. If you see anyone who has broke, like sustained a break, anything that like uh, a sprain, any, anything, when you immobilize that area, sometimes immobilizing an area is necessary for a short period of time, but then it really is so much more beneficial to get blood flow to that area, start to get your range of motion back. And you can see people's recovery double and triple in the time that they're able to come back from an injury because they don't go towards inaction. They go towards early, early movement, start getting in some range of motion and at an, at an early time in a, in a very planful way, but it doesn't go to like, well, I just am immobilizing this area of my body for the rest of my life, which ultimately is what you're saying when you go towards like, I have this bad whatever, so I'm never going to use it. It's a part of your body. It's so hard because so much of what we don't know about how the muscle groups work together, how the ligaments work together, how the, the whole chain of events it leads us to use our body in a vacuum in the, like with regards to injury, like this joint is hurting. So I'm going to rest it. And I'm, when people think about like, well, what can I do in the meantime? I don't want to lose my fitness or whatever. They think of ways in which they can work out by completely avoiding that thing. Right. And I, what I would encourage Rather than thinking about if you are taking the action route and saying like, I want to recover, it's not, okay, um, my ankle hurts. So I'm just going to sit and do a whole bunch of upper body stuff. That's like the go-to, right? Something on my lower half hurts. I'm just going to annihilate my upper body. Something on my upper body hurts. I'm just going to do legs all day. What I would encourage people to think about instead is if you have an injured wrist and that's going to be immobile for a certain amount of time, I would really encourage you to think about the elbow and the shoulder on that same arm and what you can do to make sure that they are staying mobile, flexible, and being able to stabilize correctly. Because if you just say, I have a wrist injury, so I'm going to squat all day, you are not addressing the two other parts in that chain that are going to keep that wrist healthy when you come back. So it's so hard because we want to ignore that part of our body, just like cut it off and be like, I'm going to keep working out all the rest of it. But that's actually the one of the worst things that you can do is to just ignore. You should be paying extra attention to the entire chain that connects to that injury. It should be getting all the focus, not just squatting all day. You know what I mean? That's, it's just such an excellent point because I am what a decade into my like fitness journey here and I made this mistake. (laughs) So I just, I, I, I want to, the first step here is like not just falling off of, you know, taking care of our body. Sometimes we get an injury and we say like, well, I'm not going to go at all because I can't do any of these things. And I get that. There's a lot of frustration around um, injuries and feeling like, and then feeling like, well, I just can't go at all. So if you've made it past that first step, the second step is, okay, well, you go into a growth mindset. What else can I work on? What can I maximize during this time that does not involve whatever part of my body is injured? I get that. That's a, that's a second step. And if you made it that far. Awesome. But the third part to that really is exactly what you said. We ignore the parts that are injured and we don't assist in the healing. And this is particularly, um, this is particularly prevalent in injuries where it's kind of chronic or it's like long lasting because we've decided that that area of our body is just useless at this point. And if we're going to do anything in the gym, we're just going to ignore that and we're going to work on anything else. I think it is less likely when you have more of an acute injury and you have something like, cause I remember when I tore my rotator cuff, I didn't do this and my rotator cuff healed so well, much better <laughs> than this wrist injury, but it was because, you know, I had, I had a very succinct plan. I was in a sling for a bit. It needed to be immobilized because I dislocated my shoulder. So it had to be put back in. And so it needed to be in a sling for a little bit. And then there was a plan 
to how we were going to build, build it back up. Right. So there was a ton of focus, at least, at least two, like two thirds of my session was focused on the injury on the injured area. Two thirds of my session were focused on that. The other, you know, the other part was, was doing all of the other exercise, working on, you know, strengthening the core legs, all the other things. But two, two thirds of my session was focused on the part that I wanted to ignore. And I think that's just like such a great point that you brought up in order to come back strong from these types of injuries. We really have to look at the surrounding areas and give it the focus that it needs, even though it sucks. (laughs) It does. It it sucks, but this is your life and this is like a sustainable journey for you. And you don't want to the rest of your life be like, well, I just have this area that's completely useless in my body. I want to bring up the point that because you had a tear and a dislocation, you went to see a specialist and were set up with this very, very specific PT plan that gave you all of the tools that you needed. Most people, when they suffer these acute injuries, if they don't have something specific like a tear, like a dislocation, they are not seeing this like incredibly detailed PT plan that has like all of the exercises, mobilizing stretches that they need. They are just likely completely on their own, not knowing what to do, immobilizing the area and then suffering for months or the rest of their life with calling it a bad shoulder. But just because you haven't had a traumatic event to the level of a dislocation does not mean that you don't need a specific, well laid out PT plan that is going to involve specifically looking at that area and spending an immense amount of time on it. It's just that if you don't have someone putting that together for you, it's so hard to know what to do, you know? And um, the best, I think, the best analogy that I've heard for explaining this in the kinetic chain is like, you have a flat tire and I like analogies. They help me a lot. You have a flat tire looking at it like, holy shit, well, this wheel is not going to turn with that flat tire, right? You fix the flat tire, you just start rolling. It doesn't feel the same. Did you check to see if the rim was bent? That is where the rest of the chain comes into play. If you just fix the flat and you do not look at all of the rest of the things that make the tire go, it's never going to roll just like it did before. You know what I mean? And that's where people get there. This just feels wonky. This feels bad. This one doesn't work as good as that one. It's because their wheel has never rolled correctly after perhaps a flat tire because the rim wasn't addressed. And it does not mean that it's too late. It can always, there's always time for a new rim, guys. Always. (laughs) There is always time for a new rim. (laughs) Because you brought up mobility, I just want to go over quickly. I was thinking about this when I was doing my dynamic stretches in my workout before my workout today, thinking about how we tell the TTSL athletes and and everyone really, it's, it's pretty well accepted now in athletics that we warm up dynamically first rather than static stretches where, you know, 20 years ago when we were, no, probably not you, (laughs) maybe (laughs) we were like, hold one, two, three, holding our stretches. Like that's how we warmed up for games. Um, And now you almost never see that. It's all dynamic. And I think that a lot of people do not understand the difference between flexibility and mobility and why we are mobilizing before we are asking a lot from our body and not working on flexibility. So I think that if we can break these things down, you can understand a little bit that like how the kinetic chain works together and not only that, but why mobilizing and having flexibility and stability are all part of your recovery and not just something that we're just going to immobilize something and then expect that it's going to come back to its full range of motion with absolutely no work. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or maybe you, you don't even remember when you had full range of motion. Dude, so true. 
Hang on. I have been told that, what's the numbers? 70%. 78. (laughs) Over 70% of you guys listening to this podcast have not subscribed. So please do me a favor right now. It really, really helps us. Do me a favor and hit the subscribe button. You're listening every week. We're besties in here together talking about everything fitness and life. And you haven't subscribed yet. So be sure to hit the subscribe button right now and subscribe to our podcast. I have seen or worked with so many people that have been like, well, I've never been able to. And you have just like when you were maybe a baby, you've seen babies squat, you've seen babies do overhead squats. <laughs> and But like we're to the point where like you might not remember ever having this full range of motion and that's okay, but it is instrumental in any type of movement that you're going to be doing and in the movement pattern that we're going to be, that we're going to talk about. So let's just talk about like, generally speaking, how we can define our primary movement patterns into these categories. So we have walking, running, sprinting, squatting, lunging, pulling, pushing, pressing overhead and twisting. Now, these are things that we do on a daily basis whether you think you do or not. <laughs> I love I love to put all of these into everyday experiences because people don't realize that like you're going to be pulling things all the time, you're pushing things all the time. Like we are going to be doing all of these movements whether you're doing them in the gym or not. So if you practice them in a controlled setting in the gym, you're preparing for life. So none of these things are like one well, never going to press overhead again in your whole life. <laughs> That's you, just not you might not press water. overhead correctly, <laughs> but you are going to do it. <laughs> you might not press overhead correctly, but you absolutely are going to do it. And if we can train these movement patterns in a controlled setting in the gym, then we can prepare for life. So, when we think about some of these things and how we are moving in the gym, what I would implore you to do is to think about some, some of the things that I think are the most common when it comes to like a hip shift. You know, when you pick something up, are you shifting to one side? When you are pushing overhead, is one of your arms lagging behind the other? When you push your arms overhead, do you feel like one shoulder sits back into its socket? The other one doesn't quite get there. These are things that you can notice that, that you can you can notice in the gym. And then we can start to think about like, what are some of the movement patterns behind that? Some of the, another common one that I see with a lot of people is when they pull off the ground, they pull harder and faster on one side rather than the other. And this is important because one side of their body is essentially being put under more load than the other. And this can cause a variety of issues because if that side is essentially working harder, it wa- it's going to continue to work harder. So that might be like your strong side. But then when you sustain an injury on that side, you wonder why. It's been carrying the load of all of your movements primarily on the same side repeatedly and compensating for the other. You're pushing harder on that side. Then you get under a bar, you shift to the side, you're, you're standing up all on one side. It's these things that we do repeatedly. And then we start to notice them when we say like, well, one leg stronger than the other, or, um, I always have pain on this side, or I, I, I'm always experiencing some type of issue. And then we continuously move like that until it breaks. Yeah, it's very, very common for me to see athletes injured on their dominant side. And that just screams out overcompensation for the weeks. And that's why, you know, we do so much work in our programming with unilateral movements and and just breaking this down because sometimes you have to be, I, I was just doing B-stance squats today and I love those for this kind of stuff. I was doing my left leg first and it was great. And I don't know why I do my left leg first. That's weird. Cause that's not my dominant side. Maybe it's to like 
get it out of the way. <laughs> while you're fresh. Yeah. Sometimes <laughs> I do my weaker one while I'm fresh because I know I'm more tired when I get mm. to my second. So okay. I'm like, oh, just Maybe get that's why I'm doing it. I was like subconscious. <laughs> I went to do the B-stand squats on the right side and noticed immediately my heels started coming off the ground. And I was like, what's the matter with you, sweetheart? But it's just those things that you, if you're really paying attention, you can notice. And when we're, um, when we're training, in a way where we are including unilateral movements, we can say to ourselves like, oh, I I see this, I notice this, and I'm going to move purposely, purposefully to prevent that. Like I immediately started pushing my knee out on that side and saying like, I probably have some pronation going on here. I probably did not mobilize this ankle enough beforehand. And I just spent a little time and it's hard if you've moved in poor movement patterns your entire life, because that is so practiced. Yeah. Think about how many times you do that per day. I know. And it's like, That's why obviously we need to think about the way we move a little bit more and be more present, but that's a hard way we stand. That's a hard ask. It is because those, Mm -hmm. those things are trained. They've been trained so for so long, but if your little, you know, hour in the gym, if you can think about it, then it might make it easier moving forward to correct some of those movement patterns. It's just, it's just so like, if you want to know, I think the best way to tell an athlete is like, sometimes you can't tell it when they're doing something slow or not under a load. Do an air squat. Looks great. Looks great. Load up with your one rep max. Looks like shit. I can see all the faults and in your movement pattern, because if I ask you to do it faster or under more load, that's when things start to fall apart. And we can see the baseline of where your movement patterns are lacking. And that's why, you know, when something is injured. What, just along those lines, can I insert something right there? Because I think it's a funny, I think it's a funny thing. I had continuously been in a spot where I was like, why is not my back squat going up? And one of my coaches was like, oh, like we, let's like, we got to build up those legs. We got to build up those legs. And I'm like, my legs are super strong. Like what's happening at the one rep max point? What's happening when I start to feel there? And it actually had nothing to do with my leg strength. It was my upper body strength. Everyone here is like, that is so weird. But what was actually happening is, yeah, (laughs) what was actually happening is where the fold started to happen wasn't in my legs. It was supporting the weight in my upper body. The same thing was happening in my front squat. And this is a little bit easier for people to understand. Because you ever, have you ever heard the the pooping dog? (laughs) <laughs> you know what dogs look like when they poop? They just, <laughs> they're around in their back. Okay. Well, if you, if you are a pooping dog and you're looking like you're going to stand up a front squat and you go into, <laughs> and you go into that movement, your upper body, your upper back strength is really where it's starting to fall apart, right? That's not your legs. That is the inability for your upper body to support the load in a front loaded position, essentially. So where you start to break down is right in that upper back that could be for a lot of people their core strength as well so a lot of core a lot of our core strength starts to break down and then we start to we start to go in that more rounded position like your legs aren't aren't failing yet your legs could continue to push but your ability for your upper body to support the load that you're currently under breaks down so instead of trying to build up more legs more legs more legs we really need to look at the fact that like to support that weight. And this makes complete sense for me because my legs gain more muscle than my upper body. And it just like from a genetic standpoint, like it's easier for me to gain like, or for me to sustain muscle in my legs than it is for my upper body just tends to not want to to hold on to muscle. (laughs) It's a a long road, but that makes complete sense. When I think a lot of people listening to this, they say like, where do I start to break down in my movements? And it's not always obvious. It's not always like, well, my back squat starts to break down. Like I just got to back squat more, I got to build up more legs. Or is it that I might need to stabilize my core strength? Or I might need more, I might need to stabilize my upper back 
getting my shoulders to really stay pulled back to be able to support a load in a good position so that it stays in the right position when the load is on my back. So it doesn't shift into more of a front loaded position where I don't have the strength because that's where those things really make a difference. Because like when it shifts into, into a spot where we're not able to sustain that positioning, then we start moving poorly. Then injuries happen. (laughs) So it's a really great point. It's also why I highly suggest people video their lifts, especially when they're under mm. a max lifts. load. You'll see yeah. so much. You'll see so much. You'll see your hip shift. You'll see, but this is not stuff that you can always see when you're just like in an air squat or like when you're jumping, like I'm telling you, video your box jumps and then play them back in slow motion. You'll see if you're favoring one leg in the jump and you can see like all of your movement patterns, like where the faults are and stuff. And it's not to just like shit on yourself all day. It's to explain why one knee might be hurting. (laughs) Yeah. And what you can do. And what you can do. So to break this down, we want to look at three main areas when we're talking about the health of the whole kinetic chain, you need to be flexy, which means I think different than it. First of all, it's different than mobility in that flexibility is the complete range of motion in a joint or a group of joints, as well as the muscle that is crossing that area. So think static stretch. How well can you, how far down can you go when your legs are outstretched and you're like bending forward? Like how that's a flexibility, right? It's important, but it isn't everything because mobility is actually referring to like the area where the two bones meet and the degree of movement that you can have without restriction. So think about like, if you're just sitting there right now, think about just rolling your shoulder in a circle, right? We have like sticking points where it's like, oh, that gets hard right there. Or um, I lose my ability to have a full range of motion in a certain place. And these restrictions are, they can be muscle related, they can be ligament related, they can be tendon related. Like there's so many factors that go into mobility and it's different than flexibility because it also requires strength and balance. Flexibility is just how far your muscle will stretch in a certain direction. But mobility refers to how you can stabilize the joint in order to get that full range of motion. So it actually demands strength, whereas flexibility is not asking for strength. And that's why we warm up with dynamic stretches rather than static stretches, because you are practicing bringing a joint through a full range of motion, but demanding strength from it, demanding stability from it, and also demanding flexion. So it's not, it, it's actually warming up tendons and ligaments better to move than just sitting there and static stretching a muscle over the course of, you know, two bones. It's like, that's not actually demanding strength from it. And so it's, it's not moving you forward in that way. And then of course you have stability. So this is like your ability to maintain control of your joint. So many injuries are due to the fact of a lack of stability in a certain joint. It's like you're not stabilizing your knee and it's freaking flopping around in there. And then we have a ligament that's pulled to its max and you are tearing partially tearing, rupturing, like this is because your, your joint is not properly stabilizing. And like, that's if you have trouble balancing on one leg, that would be a lack of stability. That's why we practice these things. Like people are like, Oh my God, I have such a hard time with like single leg RDLs. Okay. Then we need to make sure that there's single leg RDLs in your programming. Because if you do not have the ability to balance on one leg Red flags need to be going up about the stability of your hip, your knee, and your ankle joints. Red flags. Yeah. So many injuries can be prevented with stability too. I mean, we're, we talk about, like we're primarily talking about how we can come back from injuries and looking at these 
three main factors in order to come back from an injury. But these are all the still, these are all the three main things in order to prevent injuries as well. And stability is one of those that like, I just feel like are not talked about enough, but need to be talked about more. Because when you ask for some should be easy movements to prove stability, so many of us are unable to do it. You know, like like with your shoulder joint and being able to just holding your arm out right in front of you and being able to maybe put a little bit of weight on there and stabilize in this position. So many, like you think like I've seen the strongest guys just like, <laughs> I'm like, you're not stabilizing anything there. And you're wondering why you have so many shoulder injuries because like you don't have any stability. And these are just easy, easy air bunnies, things that you can add into your sessions on a daily basis if you are purposeful about them, if you're purposeful about flexibility, mobility, and instability, if you think about your shoulder joints, your hips, your knees, your ankles, those are the main, those are honestly the main things that we need to look at when we, when we talk about all of these things. So, so many of this comes from the stability in our shoulders, the stability in our hips, the stability in our knees and ankles. What, what moves around those really generates, you think about like hip power, shoulders, like all of these things, like we're generating so much movement from these specific spots in our body. And then we're not taking care of them. We're not making sure they are mobile. They have the stability. And then we're putting them essentially under a load or even just under repetitive movement, like sitting, walking, daily life. That, that's repetitive movement that you're going to be putting load on, on a daily basis. Think about your hips. You guys are probably sitting down listening to this podcast right now. If you don't think your hips are under currently under a load, what's your body? (laughs) Your body is a load and your hips are going to support your body regardless if you want them to or not because gravity. (laughs) So if you can take anything from this episode, just like a quick summary for, for some of you guys, it is if you are experiencing an injury right now, some of the most important things that you can do is to not just go to immobilize. Think about the things that you can do in the gym. Think about the things that you can do to heal what is the injury that you're currently fighting with. They're currently sustained. What can you do to heal, actively heal your injury right now? The second part I think is for everyone to think about what we can put in our daily sessions that include flexibility, mobility, and stability. What are some of the things that you might want to focus on? Now, if you follow a program like TTSL, it's already in there. It's done for you. <laughs> just saying. <laughs> just, just a quick, quick, quick clip to that. But if it's not, and you're kind of going into the gym and you're wondering what, it, what are the things that you should be doing and what are some of the things that tend to feel painful for you? What are some of the ways that you could look at maximizing some of these three points in order to become pain-free? I mean, damn, damn, if that isn't the goal, you know, taking, for example, the ankle roll and saying, all right, all right, you're going to get past that initial being upset and you're going to go, you're going to go to the gym. No, you're not going to just smash your upper body while you're there and completely ignore that entire leg. No, you're not. What you're going to do instead, now that you know better, is you are going to think about the entire kinetic chain that leads to that ankle and how those will be affected by this injury. You're going to think about keeping your knees and hips flexible. You're going to spend a significant amount of your session making sure that those are remaining flexible. Then you're going to mobilize them. You're going to bring your knees and ankles. You're mobilizing your ankle. You're going to bring your knees and hips through a nice mobility session where you are bringing them through their full range of motion. And then you are going to work on some stabilizing things. You are going to do some clamshells to make sure that your hip flexors are staying strong. You are going to do some stabilization exercises in your knee. These don't have to involve weight on your ankle. We can think about 
all of the systems that went into the injury and making sure that they are staying well, then when the ankle cast comes off or you're able to put weight on your ankle again, you don't have a bunch of shit movement patterns or atrophy in areas or loss of flexibility and mobility in the areas that are responsible for that ankle. They're like their mom and dad. They're like responsible for them. And if you don't pay attention to them, they are going to continue to have dysfunction in that ankle again and again and again. And then it becomes your bad ankle all of a sudden. You don't have to have that. You deserve better. You deserve better than your bad ankle. <laughs> so you got a plan now. You got a plan for when you're injured. And it's a plan of action. And I love feeling like, okay, this isn't just something that happened to me. And now I have to like work around it. No, I am actively working on it to make sure that this is not going to become a chronic injury for me. That's what to do. That's what to do. That's, that's how we get empowered. And uh, keep with um, the human experience because that involves injury to our ego, (laughs) to our feelings, to our feelings. Our body is not separate from any of that. It is all part of the human experience and it doesn't need to be a world ending thing because we got a plan now. All right, guys, have a great week. We love you. Love you. Thank you so much for listening to the Thick Thighs Save Lives podcast. If you'd like to join our movement, get in our free app, CVG Nation, available in your app store. We have an amazing community of women, coaches to help you with your movements, challenges, and we give away leggings daily in there. Rachel and I are in there every day, so it's a perfect place to get in touch with us. This podcast is made possible by Constantly Varied Gear, so be sure to check out ConstantlyVariedGear.com. Have an amazing week. Crush your goals.